What's up, fitties? It's episode 103 of Fitter Food Radio. And of course, it's me and Keris. And Hamish is here as well, under the table, because that's where it's sheltered and shady and cool <laughs> in this blistering hot UK weather. Yeah. How lucky are we? Hamish keeps doing the splits because apparently with a dog, they want to keep their chest nice and cool, don't they? Obviously keep their heart, stop their heart from racing too much if they get hot. Wow. And I've noticed Hamish keeps coming in and almost doing like the splits on the floor and it's to get his chest onto the floor. Um, there you go, hmm. a, almost like a little doggy yoga move. Yeah, that's been up for him, bless him. <laughs> He's so dramatic, he comes in and it's like... Plonks on the floor. Literally thumps to the floor and then you look, that's what I'm saying, right? his legs are like spread really wide. Well, how would you feel if you couldn't sweat? <laughs> true, yeah. this is true. I was talking to another dog owner who said she had a, a female dog and they used to go for a walk in this lovely woodland with a lake and she didn't like water going in the water and swimming but she said when it got really hot like dogs know they have to cool themselves down in fact Hamish has become really kind of like he just knows where the various different lakes and ponds are on Tumbridge Wells Common and he almost heads there when it gets Mm. too hot and she said his female dog used to go to this lake but like an old lady that doesn't want to get her hair wet she'd just like kind of walk in and just dip her chest into the water and then walk out again and her ears would still be dry and she just it's the dog or the lady no this is the dog (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you would dip in and just get her chest wet. Yeah, basically, <laughs> keep the hair up. Don't get her just, just, just imagine yeah. the dogs on the side, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. But interestingly, this is a random conversation I was having with a woman outside a, a croissant shop, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. You got, no, you got in to get, we were getting coffees, not croissants. And she came over and said, Why, why did you have to put that out there? <laughs> what if we were over the croissant? <laughs> yeah. Our favourite, it's actually... 80-20, Karis, 80-20. To be fair, we did well. We went to our favourite croissant shop and didn't buy a croissant, didn't we? We just came out with coffee. That was pretty impressive. But that's not why I'm telling you. This conversation was with this woman who was outside the shop waiting for something. I don't know. We end up... Hamish always leads to a conversation because often he'll go and try and get his ears rubbed or something or go and stand between someone's legs. And she said, oh, he's lovely. What's his name? But we were talking about having a dog and she said, you know, when I had my two dogs, she was the one who had the dogs that used to... The lady dog used to swim in the lake. She said, I walked every day for well over an hour regardless. And she said, uh, both of them died a couple of years ago and I was heartbroken. I haven't brought myself to get another dog. And she said, I honestly haven't walked since. Aww. And she said, just seeing you today made me think of all the places I used to go with my dog, all the woodland, all the lake. And it's sad. And you kind of think, why didn't you get one? You know, but you, you know, it's obviously someone has to make that decision, don't they? But Would you remember some time ago when we were up in Stratford-upon-Avon we used to, I suppose everyone's, you know, has a routine, don't they? And we we get out with the dog at a similar time most days. And when we're in Stratford upon Avon visiting, like my nan, we have like a, a kind of like a nice walk that we always do, don't we? And we bumped into that old lady who we used to like pass going in the opposite direction. Do you remember? And then she said that she used to have a dog and used to walk the dog twice a day. You know, obviously without foul every single day, but the dog died. But she was determined to keep the walking up. So oh, even yeah. now she hasn't got the dog. She still does the exact same walk that she would have done with the dog, with the dog twice yeah, a day. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, that's amazing because it would be so easy to just be like, well, I haven't got a purpose to do it now. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, was like, um, I actually listened to um, Stefan Gelne, who we've probably mentioned him a few times before. He does a lot of work about the human brain and like eating and exercise and said some people he said naturally the human body we are lazy we're quite 
you know, we're designed to be quite lazy, almost like conserve energy. We kind of take the path of the of least resistance in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he said, now what's happening is like not moving is being engineered into our way of life, basically, which, you know, it's pretty obvious. We've now got cars. We've now got <laughs> stupid scooter things that you go mad about what they called. Where, on a Segway. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, why are your people on those things? Oh, and then they got escalators and everything. And he said, it's being engineered into your way of life. And so you actually have to kind of fight almost to move like you have to kind of be even more disciplined it's making it harder for us and and the brain has to work even harder and he said some people are also just not natural exercisers so if you're not a natural exerciser you've almost got like double the battle on your hands and that's why I remember saying this in a lecture once you've got to get a dog then I think if you're not a natural exerciser and you're not someone who would go out for a walk like that lady twice a day because you're like I'm going to go for a walk that makes me feel good like, I think now it's it's ingrained into my way of life. I'm a natural exerciser. Yeah. I have done since the age of 19. <laughs> Same for you. Whereas, you know, I talked to my mum about this a lot. My mum is not a natural exerciser. No. And I keep saying, you need That's a dog. And her mum's the same, and they had dogs until they were in their 60s. But mum and dad like, oh, we don't want the, the tie now, we don't want the commitment. Yeah. I understand that because they like travelling, but I said, then you've got to start, you know, becoming a natural exerciser, then you've got to find a way to ingrain it into your daily routine. And- Saying that, though, there is a guy who I see on Tunbridge Wells Common when I walk the dog quite early, who just gets to the common sits on a bench, <laughs> lights a roll-up, and then just throws the ball for the yeah, dog true, from the true. bench. <laughs> so, you know, you've, you've got to actually walk with the dog as well. The, the best is for someone who lives around the corner from us, and he walks, it can't even be 20 metres to Rustle Common, and does the same thing outside the pub, lights a fag, gets a pint, throws the ball for his dog across, the, across Toad Rock. That's just brilliant. Like, literally must have done about 20 steps to get there. Like his dog's probably... Who's that? Just live, well, just the neighbour lives around the corner. Just the neighbour. And his, his wife is a nutritional therapist. Uh, <laughs> now you know who we're talking about. talking about now, yeah. Anyway. You would have been fired by now. Yeah, you can imagine. <laughs> Walking the dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come and piss. <laughs> <laughs> the dog took me in the pub, did he? <laughs> Saw a spaniel, kept me there for hours. <laughs> Anyway. Anywho, so in the last episode, we spoke a little bit about kind of mental health, anxiety, and we had some really good feedback from it, didn't we? Yes, we did. And you also done a Facebook Live on a similar subject and spoke a little bit more about supplementation. And we've had quite a few messages kind of asking for a little bit more detail on the kind of uh, the supplement nutrition side of things. So we figured why not get stuck into that in this episode? It's, it's really interesting because this is exactly like path of least resistance when it comes to exercise. And it's exactly the same when it's fixing anxiety. Yeah. If we can take a pill. Can I just take a pill? Yeah, <laughs> basically, let's take a pill. That's a lot easier. And I try to, there is some stuff that I do. And, and lots of people that I work with on a one-to-one level say, is there anything in the meantime whilst, because it can take a little bit of time to obviously, you know, unfold like 20, 30, 40, 50 years worth of emotion and how you think and how you react to certain situations. So of course, in the process, what could you do? And is there anything in terms of supplements and food? And there is. And so we briefly touched on it in the last episode. But again, I'm just going to emphasize it. Firstly, if you're going to do this, don't just start ordering stuff online willy nilly. And you're best going to see a nutritional therapist doing so it in that structured manner. We, we should almost like, you know, like you see this as like a bit of a disclaimer, you know, like we're yeah. not saying that you can just almost supplement your way out of anything because obviously mental health or anxiety or anything along those lines 
comes in different shapes and forms and comes from very, very different root causes. So, you know, not all situations are the same. Therefore, you know, we don't want you just like making this big list of supplements that or, or foods that we're talking about and then just go out there and spend an absolute fortune in the hope that that's going to be the answer to to everyone's problems because that's not the case. This is, you know, the clue is in the name, like we always say, supplement. It's to supplement, you know, lifestyle changes, nutrition changes, the bigger picture. Yeah. And I suppose just to kind of reiterate the initial thing that I would do to anyone kind of suffering from anxiety and those kind of any of the different kind of, you know, the big spectrum of mental health disorders. And it goes right the way through to things like obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, kind of if you just notice, and I'm sure we all notice we go through phases of being, you know, kind of not wanting to be around people, you know, almost withdrawing a little bit, just not feeling yourself. Like they range from that kind of a eh, bit meh today to mm. like actually like something is really wrong with me at the moment. But the foundations that you've got to get in place, I think first and foremost, we talked in the last podcast, so you can skip back to 102 and look at things like purpose, you know, reason you get out of bed, your environment, the people that you spend time with and financial security. And you need to put some things in place around that if that again is is part of your foundation nutritionally what i'd say is this kind of delicate balance that's going on between hormones which are in fact we have something called neuroendocrine immune system so that's neuro is think about you know kind of this is your neurotransmitters this is you know those chemicals that kind of you know really are governing how we think and therefore how we act as well endocrine is hormones so that's hormones are things like you know insulin which we talked about a lot or you've also got some which are kind of a bit of both neurotransmitters and hormones like adrenaline noradrenaline depends on where it's released from if it comes from a gland then it's it's a hormone it's coming from the brain it's a neurotransmitter but essentially the two are basically chemical messengers that respond to both the internal and external environment and they're like an email that whizzes around the body and then they kind of trigger some kind of response from the body in some way so again if you have this uh, often we'll perceive things like fear they say that the heart will perceive it first and start to beat quickly and then that will trigger everything from kind of you know different neurotransmitters get fired and then you start to get this physical response so you might start to feel shaky or you know like adrenaline starts to pop yeah and that's kind of how we have that emotion that experience so we've got neuroendocrine and then the immune system because what we know about the immune system and this is kind of building and building in the research is the immune system is always influencing the balance of the different hormones and neurotransmitters so i was listening to a webinar today saying that if you have really low blood sugar levels in the morning, it can yeah. be a sign of inflammation. So you've got basically some kind of inflammatory chemicals going on that mean that the cells start to take up sugar much quicker. And the immune system itself can demand some sugar for, for its own kind of activity. It can demand, I say sugar, I mean glucose. So it can demand glucose for its activity, which can lead to low blood sugar levels. Now, if your blood sugar levels go too low, and this is the fascinating thing about the human body, if your blood sugar levels are too high, there's one hormone that, that tends to kick into action. Do you know what it is? If your blood sugar levels are too high. High. Yeah. Insulin. Yeah. So, but if it's too low, we've got four or five that kick into action. Right. So we've got glucagon, which is glucose is gone. We have things like adrenaline. We have cortisol. Uh, these are ones that we know are stress hormones. And they're released when our blood sugars go too low because it's so important that our blood sugars don't go low mm -hmm. because every single cell in the body needs glucose to function to a certain yeah. extent. So even growth hormone gets really... Well, growth hormone actually blocks the uptake of glucose into a cell, so it keeps blood sugar levels nice and stable. Mm -hmm. So we've got these hormones that kick in. So 
these studies were saying that when people had high levels of some inflammatory chemicals in the body, they were kind of pulling glucose into the cell much more readily than they should be doing, leading to low blood sugar levels. So the reason I'm kind of saying all this is your immune system is affecting the output of brain chemicals and that's affecting hormones. So the three things work together, which basically makes you really complicated because it means that how you think could change how you regulate glucose in the body and that could also change if you had an infection or you've got some kind of inflammation going on or yeah so which you know and and it, we know this because how do you feel when you're ill well pretty crap yeah lack of motivation would mm-hmm. you say yeah. um sometimes kind of mildly depressed sleepy sleepy tired fatigued so we know that the kind of inflammation does that and also hunger levels go all over the place sometimes people are ravenous when they are ill sometimes they just no appetite at all sometimes they get shaky sometimes not so so all the three are linked and i can't remember why i'm telling you that i don't know why no, i cares <laughs> <laughs> well anyway i know why i'm telling you so from a nutritional perspective what you want to make sure of is that you're kind of keeping everything nice and stable in terms of the meals that you'll eat. And the other side, that the reason I also want to explain that is we know that the immune system is very much affected and inflammatory signaling is affected by what? What one bit of the body do we always talk about a lot? The gut. Yeah, the gut. So we have to also think about... The one, gut. one of the ways that you talk about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yours makes a lot of noise. It doesn't necessarily talk... <laughs> Hey, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go there. Let's not. <laughs> anyway, actually, I'm just going to digress and tell our listeners about a win I had with you. Because Matt is very anti-supplements. He gets really annoyed when the supplements arrive. He gets annoyed when they fall out of the cupboard and hit him on the head. And he's like, what are all these for? I don't even understand. But my job as a nutritional therapist is always to explore these things. I get sent a lot of free stuff as well. And I'm always kind of just testing stuff out. Well, our bank statements will suggest you don't get sent enough free stuff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so anyway, when I and half the stuff that I order, I take. And I always think it's not really me that needs it. It's probably you. And one of the things is glutathione, which is the master intracellular antioxidant. So it kind of is, think of it as like, it's basically you. It's like the master cleaner goes into a cell and like mops up any kind of mess or damage that's going on in there so I'm the master cleaner now yeah and some people have a reduced capacity genetically to kind of recycle glutathione and make sure they have enough which would essentially mean that you should probably do less activity in terms of not so much stress intense training things that raise your antioxidant needs and you when we did that test you had the genetic kind of variation that meant you might need more glutathione but you never took it so I ordered it for you and you never took it and then you notice that you've got a little grey patch on your beard. No, no, I think a grey patch. It was like one strand of hair. Yeah, but... That's not a patch. Going grey is a sign clear. of oxidative stress. So it's like your kitchen's too messy. But I'm 32. <laughs> yeah. people, people get grey hairs in their 30s, aren't they? Because my, my facial hair is darker than my head hair. And obviously dark hair, tend, you know, grey hairs tend to sharp more, don't they? Yeah, but then I noticed the next day the glutathione was out. So you'd taken it. It's true. You're so vain. You're so vain. <laughs> I'd found your pain point, basically. Um, go but yeah, when your hair grows grey, so that could be your beard or your hair, or I often say this is also correlated with having children, apparently, because all my friends say they go grey when they yeah. have kids. It's just a sign of oxidative damage. So like too much kind of damage stress is going on in the body and therefore you need some more antioxidants. But maybe I'll be a bit of a George Clooney. You know what I mean? <laughs> Silver Fox. Silver Fox, yeah. you know. Maybe I might be able to pull it off. Who knows? 
Do you want one of the best? Maybe I won't. I'll be reached for that just for men. <laughs> be the new model. I could start like dyeing my beard different colours just, just for, for laughs. biceps. <laughs> Do you know um, what the best food is to raise glutathione levels? One of. I probably shouldn't tell you this actually. Go on. Whey. Oh, really? Mm. Whey protein. Good quality whey protein. I'm enough of that. I know, yeah. And cruciferous vegetables as well. Anyway, interestingly though, antioxidants would be really important because every time you use in your brain, if you think about the fact a neuron is a cell and every time... Again, when, I, when we do our kind of talks, the way that I'm explaining this to people is it's a bit like, you know, you're doing a massive batch cooking session in the kitchen. I think it probably was on the last podcast, I can't remember. You're doing a massive batch cooking session and if you don't tidy up like I don't, tidy as you go, you yes. make a big mess. So the more recipes you start doing, the more messier it gets. But then imagine if you've got some new food shops coming in as well. So you're ordering more stuff and then you've got nowhere to put it. You haven't got anywhere to put it away and it all gets a bit hectic. Eventually you're going to have to stop cooking because it's just going to be a big tip in there. And that's the kind of same thing that's happening with different cells in the body, whereby they're not regulating energy very well in terms of taking glucose in, using it you know, to kind of make ATP, which is the energy currency of the cell, and then mopping up all the kind of, you know, byproducts of that, the activity with antioxidants, and then producing whatever they're supposed to produce. Like it might be a neurotransmitter, it might be a hormone or something like that. So basically the kitchens are getting too messy and are not able to kind of function properly. So that can happen in the brain. So when it happens in the brain, this is when we get impaired production of neurotransmitters. And there are loads and loads of neurotransmitters, but a lot of the ones we talk about are serotonin, makes you feel calm and content and happy and satisfied, or dopamine, which makes you feel motivated and helps you focus, it helps you pay attention to stuff. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but you need the right balance of the two. Some people don't produce enough and some people don't clear them very well. So if we don't clear dopamine, it it kind of is going to affect your, your mental health. So again, kind of going back to the nutrition side of things, we've just mentioned like antioxidants would be fundamental for that, but also just the basic vitamins and minerals that a cell needs or the basic environment that a cell needs to be able to produce some neurotransmitters and then break them down and then communicate with one another and communicate with the environment so diet is going to be fundamental in that in terms of paleo kind of template so making sure you number one goal is meet your protein needs i would say with these kind of things and the feedback i get from clients when they increase their protein is often gosh you know just felt more stable like mood felt better you've seen the same haven't you when people have said you know less of an appetite it's quite a satiating macronutrient as well one of the reasons being obviously all neurotransmitters they're made of amino acids essentially and so therefore making sure you hit your protein requirements is going to be beneficial for that and then the more you're doing this could be the more you're thinking or the more you're training the more you're using up the you know you're gonna have a higher kind of turnover of these amino acids then basically the more the higher you might, might want to take your protein intake mm-hmm. so i kind of suggest to some people go into about 1.5 grams per kilo i know you're quite like just whack it up to two aren't you well i normally say 1.8 to 2 grams per kilo yeah with the view that you know i mean obviously it depends entirely upon the individual you know their lifestyle you know the amount of training that they do the type of training they do etc cetera, etc cetera. but the reason i say 1.8 to 2 is that if you aim for that, you know, you fall a bit short, you've still had a decent hit of protein for the day. Yeah. You know, equally, if you happen to go over, you know, it's no it's no big. But for a lot of people, you know, I mean, I love protein. I quite happily... It's weird because in a way, the ketogenic diet or a lower carb diet, should I say, 
would be relatively easy for me to do because I do enjoy fats and I do enjoy protein. Yeah. But I probably, I like protein too much to the point where actually a keto diet wouldn't work because my protein intake would probably be, be far too high yeah. to actually be even be in ketosis. But as far as like low carb, it would be quite easy for me to follow from like a consistency point of view because yeah. I wouldn't feel, you know, I'd be able to adhere to that, no problem. Yeah. From a taste perspective, but chances are from a performance perspective, especially now I'm playing footy yeah. again, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you were like also the, obviously the more, we've talked about this before, but the more intensity exercise, the more you're going to tap into the kind of energy system it will be more anaerobic. So you'll be using more glycogen. So it's going to be more about, you know, basically or glycolysis so you're using more kind of a carbohydrate you know carbohydrates are going to be the fuel source predominantly whereas if you're kind of low level and cardio and not doing that much you could probably do kind of fat fueled you know quite happily and performance wouldn't be too much of an issue but when I say that level of protein to a lot of clients they kind of get overwhelmed and when I say to, to a woman you know it's not every woman says around and goes oh I have protein I have an egg with my porridge and yeah. like, no 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 that's what I mean an egg like, is six grams of protein for a lot of people two grams per kilo per day it's is, lot, is quite it? a lot especially yeah. compared to what they were on previously yeah so you know it does kind of like require a bit of I suppose gradually increasing increasing it well, well what I was going to say is so the first supplement that I'm quite a big fan of is actually protein supplements and that can Whee. come in the form of <laughs> yeah it can come in the form of any of the good quality protein powders and it is a reason that I'm a fan of the protein powders some people aren't, aren't too keen and we often say mix them up so kind of combine everything from you know you can do vegan you can do rice you can do hemp or you can do pea or you can do whey you can do collagen powder. Why, honestly, why do you keep mentioning hemp? <laughs> like, some people like it. Who? It's, and it's in it's in some blends now. There are some vegan. They are improving. There are some vegan ones coming yeah, through that are hemp and with pea and rice. Ten other things to disguise. <laughs> no one, no one must know that hemp is in here. Yeah, it's a bit sand, sandy. So protein powders is one option. Essential amino acids you can get in powders and capsules is another option. So for some people. Taking a few essential amino acids in the morning, or mm. I know you're going to say no, it's more to hit protein requirements. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's for individuals. I would say that eating like a pretty low protein diet. But, but yes, yes, and no. So again, some people still struggle. Even when I say here's a protein powder, here's this, here's that, they still not. They're still quite short of even 1.2 to 1.5. And the other thing, the other reason I might suggest those is also absorption. So if I'm rebuilding somebody's gut. And I'm kind of concerned about, are they digesting and simulating nutrients? I might go with um, something like amino acid powders or just, again, just for a kind of make sure. Because you have to remember with protein, the body, in terms of the digestion of protein, it's kind of got different stages. It's so important that we get it down to just amino acids. Of course, like protein can't get into the body because it's what you're made of and your immune system will basically tag it yeah. and say, well, that's those three and four those amino acids together chicken you know you look a bit like chicken and therefore that's that's kind of one of the mechanisms that we think autoimmunity starts so we have stomach acid which basically kind of unfold and kind of unfolds the protein then we've got down by um, something called pepsinogen then we have like hundreds well hundreds we have thousands of these proteolytic enzymes that work in the small intestine but even the brush border of the gut has lots and lots of enzymes veli on the veli we have what we call brush border enzymes ready to break down protein again so only amino acids can get through so if someone has anything from kind of poor production of stomach acid to damaged intestinal lining to small intestinal bacterial or fungal overgrowth which are quite common then there's a chance they're not getting 
their protein intake and they'll often say I feel bloated or full with protein I get farty yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff so they'll often say they get symptoms so sometimes I'll say let's just do some you know powders and essential amino acids to make sure that they are kind of getting their amino acid needs mm-hmm. what you can do is some people suggest doing the amino acid precursor to the brain chemical if that makes sense so the precursor to serotonin is tryptophan so we don't tend to give tryptophan anymore, but you can do 5-HTP as a supplement that some people will say, suggest as, uh, you know, take 5-HTP to increase serotonin production. That's one option. And that can help people with things like sleep as well, because the pathway for those brain chemicals, it goes serotonin, sorry, tryptophan, and then the more kind of readily available form is 5-HTP and then serotonin, and then it goes to melatonin. So that's how you get that kind of pathway works. And right. that's... So if you can't fall asleep, it might be a sign that you're not producing enough serotonin. But then the other side is you've got another pathway where it's all about dopamine. And dopamine is, as I mentioned, kind of motivation and focus and concentration. And people think it's also involved in in kind of some of the more spectrum disorders as well. I think I mentioned on the last one, gut health. Uh, yeast overgrowth is kind of implemented in problems with dopamine so mm. we've talked about this on previous podcasts but sometimes yeast infections and their byproducts can interfere with the kind of breakdown of, of dopamine and lead to and that's why they think they're associated with changes in behavior and as i've had a few clients where we've actually worked with this is more with kids where we've put them on kind of antifungals like nystatin or maybe natural antifungals and they've said they've noticed a big difference in their behavior in terms of things like anger and concentration and focus as well. So, But what I was about to say was the precursor of a dopamine is tyrosine, the amino acid tyrosine. So some people suggest taking tyrosine in the morning and therefore you'll feel a bit more kind of get up and go, a bit more motivated. But the only thing I'd kind of caution with that is you'd need to know that the problem was production and not right. breakdown. And Because too much and too little look quite similar, if that makes sense. Yeah. You right. still with me? Yeah. You still concentrating? Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, um, what foods contain tyrosine? Perfect. So I would say changing your breakfast to a tyrosine breakfast, tyrosine-rich breakfast, which is going to be meat, fish, eggs, that kind of thing. Cottage cheese is really rich in tyrosine. So we have a recipe which is cottage cheese with almonds and blueberries as a breakfast in the morning. And you can even stir in, some people stir in oats, don't they? And make it a little bit more kind of like cottage cheese and oats. It's no different to, it's just creamy, isn't it? It's just like having yogurt in some What did you say? Cottage cheese? Yeah, this is in our recipe file. Hold on. Yeah. Carry on. And almonds. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why, I just thought you said olives. No, I didn't say olives. And I was like, hold on a minute. I thought, I, you were I, gonna, I thought you were going to criticise it. I was going to say it's I in, would, our, it's in would, our recipe database. I would never have approved such a combination. <laughs> yeah. No, any, uh, um, and flaxseed, some people do flaxseed in there as well. That's actually used as a bit of a kind of cancer therapy, cottage cheese and flaxseed oil. It's a bit, it sounds a bit out there, but because <laughs> it contains different fats, so if you put flaxseed oil in with a dairy, so yogurt or cottage cheese, it contains something called arachidonic acid. And then the flaxseed is very rich in, it's kind of an omega-3 precursor, alpha linoleic acid. And those two fats are what make up the cell membrane. So it's used to replace cell membranes that might be damaged or dysfunctional in cancer treatment. So mm. there you go. So it's used as a, a treatment. But you could just have it as a nice breakfast. The only thing about flaxseed oil is it's, it gets rancid very easily. So you should have it frozen. People buy it in bulk and freeze it. Or they buy the flaxseeds and freeze them and then grind them every wow. single day. They that go, sounds like far too much. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that was, that's one of the cancer therapies for cell membrane replacement. Anyway, 
So that would be a good idea to start your day with a protein-rich breakfast. If you are, again, rather than do tyrosine as a supplement, I'd do a tyrosine-rich breakfast or just do essential amino acids. And then you're kind of, the body will use it for what it needs because without testing and working out what where the dysfunction lies, it's difficult to say that you need more tyrosine and it might make you have more dopamine, which could make you a little bit aggressive. So you don't want to do that, do you? No. <laughs> Another thing to note is to make all of those different neurotransmitters requires oxygen. So it's always good to get things like your blood count done or look at your iron levels. If you've got any kind of anemia, which could be a kind of B12 issue, a, you know, folate issue or something wrong with low levels of iron or ferritin C iron store, then oxygen is not going to be delivered around the body as effectively. And oxygen is needed for a lot of these neurotransmitters to be converted and produced. Vitamin D is really important. So also getting your vitamin D levels checked and obviously being outside this time of year will be beneficial. Definitely in terms of things like the sleep pathway, vitamin D is really important. So we talk about getting daylight exposure in the day and the sun hitting the skin is really important in terms of the cells knowing it's daytime, switching on certain enzymes, but also just in terms of neurotransmitters. But then everyone says, I feel better in the summer, don't they? You know, that's why we get sad disease. But then here's a question then. Why is it how... I always get really sleepy and tired in the sun. Like if I've had a day in the sun, yeah. I almost always want like an afternoon nap. That I'm I like, would... I'm thought this is meant to be energising. I feel like just going to kid. I would say that that's an environmental feedback. The body doesn't want you to move around too much. It's too hot. It's trying to regulate temperature. Yeah, and so if you start doing anything too aggressive, temperature goes up. The body will be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're going to be like sweating too much. You're going to be, you know, it doesn't want to... I would imagine the natural kind of response to the body in heat is to slow everything down, conserve energy, because otherwise it's going to expend a huge amount of energy trying to regulate your temperature and cool you down all the time. So, again, I would, that would be what I would imagine. Mm. Do you see uh, what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Like, and you have a lot of muscle mass, so, again, for you, you would be... I do. <laughs> you would be... <laughs> warmer than most people as well so just another couple of things to mention so what would be really helpful in terms of another supplement to try so we've talked about increasing protein maybe using protein supplementation making sure that you can digest it as well another thing that could be helpful is going to be looking at just a general multivitamin so there's lots of other things i have mentioned but vitamin c iron copper all the b vitamins are involved in the production of neurotransmitters so actually people often take a b vitamin when they are looking at things like stress or, you know, trying to sort out mood health. But I would say more it's about a, you know, just take a general multivitamin because they're going to work quite synergistically. And please do not buy it from shops and high street stores. Get a good quality multivitamin. We've written about this on the Fit Food website, so you can you can head over there and have a read about good brands and pharmaceutical grade. And another thing to note is there is a special role here for B3 because B3 is so important for so many different kind of functions in the body. B3 is used a lot in terms of a cell taking in some glucose or some fats or whatever, and you know, the mitochondria use it to make but Would, would most like good multis contain enough B3? No, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's called... Uh, so niacin is, is your B3. Right. And uh, there used to be... I'm laughing because niacin is basically... It's fundamental for all the different processes, and it's used therapeutically for things like cardiovascular disease now. But... There's a form of it called non-flushing niacin. I don't think we mentioned this before in a podcast because I think so. 
I gave my mum a book. She had a pulsating aorta at one point. This is when I just started studying. And I gave her a book called Heart Disease, What Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You. And it talks about the role of B vitamins in, in kind of fundamental for cardiovascular health, but just for general cellular health. But if you think about it for, you know, the heart is basically a muscle. So in terms of it's all about energy, we should do a podcast at some point on energy metabolism because it's all about taking in energy and using a substrate like glucose or, or fatty acids or protein and using that substrate to make ATP. And then ATP is what the cell uses to do what it needs to do. Yeah. And B vitamins are integral for kind of all of those processes for your, for your mitochondria to work. And in heart health, obviously, it's all about muscles and blood vessels. So they've got to be able to do what they need to do. But the reason I was laughing was my mum read this book and she went off and got some niacin and she gave some to my dad and they were driving through France in a camper van and he started to have what's called the niacin flush. And basically... From the head down, you just start like burning like mad. Like some people have like run into like doctor's surgeries and hospitals and gone, what the hell's happening to me? Because you just burn. And my dad was driving and he was going, what's happening to me? What have you given me? Uh-huh. And basically started having a nice and flush, which is where all of the blood vessels will start to, it would be, let me get this right, be vasodilate, I think. Yeah. So it affects all the blood vessels. So they literally start to fill, you know, so it's like you're filling with blood, all the different kind of peripheries. But you get what you feel is like a burning sensation, essentially. So my dad had a nice and flush driver and he had to pull the camp fan over. And he was like, what the heck? And they rang me and and I was like, what have you done? And he said, they took niacin. So you can now get non-flushing niacin or niacinamide is is another version of it. But the reason that B3 is very important. Tommy mentioned uh, B3 on the podcast 101 because he was saying it can be helpful in terms of making sure that you process all your B vitamins. It helps with a, a process known as methylation. But... There's something called the tryptophan steal that can happen, which is where, remember I just said tryptophan is the precursor to serotonin. Serotonin makes you feel happy and calm and satisfied. Mm. But tryptophan can be converted to B3 if you haven't got enough, because B3 is so important. So the body has loads of ways of working around nutritional insufficiencies. And one is it will convert tryptophan down that pathway to become B3. And it's done in times of stress. So they call it sometimes a stress response. They call it the tryptophan steal. And you'll notice this. If you're stressed, you don't feel too great, do you? But it's a bit kind of chicken and egg. Is it the stress or is it the fact that you can't actually make any serotonin anymore? So it's kind of, you know, a natural response to that situation. But if you, again, you might want to look at doing something like B3 if you've been chronically stressed or you're thinking that you might have some some kind of serotonin production issues. So that's another one to think about. And again, just food's rich in it. Two servings of liver a week is going to cover most of this stuff, you know, if you really wanted to get your bees in. It's funny, when you take a multi, a lot of people say, contact me and say, oh, my pee's gone, you know, fluorescent. Yeah, yeah. But same thing happens if you eat liver. <laughs> it's so full of the, the B vitamins if you right. eat enough of it. It's just a byproduct. It's very natural. Okay, so we've got taking something like a multi. We've got we've talked so about we, the amino acids. So we're talking about you know amino acids or you know increasing protein in, intake in general. Yeah. Vitamin D yeah. through supplementation or just more sunlight yeah. exposure, daylight exposure. A good multivitamin. Yeah. To kind of like uh, tick all the boxes. More tyrosine rich foods. Yeah, or definitely. supplement. But. Ideally from foods first, food food. first, always, and that's that's it so far. Okay, so glycine, I'm a big fan of. There's a few other, um, this is again, we're still on amino acids, and I feel like amino acids are safe. So glycine is an amino acid that we would have got through things like skin and organ meats and the, the kind of tissues around bones. It's why people are having bone broth. 
fundamental for the gut. It's one of the, the kind of constituents of the gut, but also can help in terms of enhancing GABA, which is a kind of inhibitory calming brain chemical. Right. So glycine, and you'll often see some supplements like magnesium can come in, magnesium glycinate. So that means it's attached to some glycine. Right. But the glycine form will tend to have that calming effect. So when you have magnesium attached to glycine, it enhances the absorption because it's attached to an amino acid. That's why it's called a chelated vitamin when it's done like that, mineral, sorry. And then the body will use the glycine as well. Another role for glycine is it can really help. Methylation is a process. We've done a few podcasts on it. This is methylation is involved in the production of the neurotransmitters. Some people undermethylate, some people overmethylate. And both of those can be associated with either depression, anxiety, all the kind of different mood disorders. So glycine is, uh, there's something called the glycine buffer, which is many of us eat too many muscle meats, which is one of the processes of methylation is to recycle methionine so methionine is kind of part of the methylation cycle and it gets methylated that's why it's called methylation into homocysteine and then back into methionine and if you eat too many muscle meats Mm -hmm. and also too many methionine rich proteins you may find that you are prone to anxiety or mood disorders so just to kind of i know you look at me going what the heck (laughs) methionine rich proteins are the ones that most of us eat too many of so it is things like whey, chicken, eggs, cheese. So we've become kind of a bit obsessed with methionine-rich proteins as a, as a human race have generally, but definitely bodybuilders. So actually, and this is why people talk about adding in glycine-rich proteins, more uh, organ meats and more skin and bones mm-hmm. to buffer the methionine and make sure that process works better. Can't so, get yourself a bargain bucket then. <laughs> no, no. It's, that's skin. Crispy skin. <laughs> Stop it. So what you could do is take about a gram of glycine a day to help kind of buffer that. Or you could do collagen powder. So collagen powder is is good for glycine. Mm -hmm. So you can put that in peppermint tea at night. That's going to help. So the glycine is going to help with the GABA. It's going to help to buffer methionine. And also it's integral amino acid in joints. So if you are prone to tendonitis or hyperextension, People say to take the collagen powder for that reason as well and help the make sure you've got the constituents for, for good tendons and joint tissue. So I'm a big fan of glycine generally, and you can either buy it as an amino acid and, and take a gram a day or just get more collagen powders into, you know, I put them in chocolate, basically. I melt yeah. chocolate and put everything in. I put protein in it. I put glycine in it. It's not always quite work out. <laughs> We've got three flavours in the fridge at the moment. We've got mint choc chip, which is quite nice. That's chewy because I actually put some collagen and some phospholipids in there so to emulsify it i know it's a long story and we've got peanut butter and dark chocolate with pea protein which i think it's nice you're not so keen and then we've got another one which is like a hard chocolate ball which is whey and pea protein and dark chocolate and vanilla that's the one that i think is probably similar ingredients to what like uh fixer dent yeah, no, no, that's the peanut butter one. That, that's, oh, is it? Yeah, that's that. Honestly, <laughs> I, I love I love making these little protein balls. And to be fair, it's cheaper to make them than buy protein bars, and you can just put your own ingredients in. And I make different flavors. But it's funny because I've, I've just obviously developed a certain taste where I don't mind the texture. I'm a bit like it's chocolate, and it's got some protein in it. Whereas I give it to my dad. What's my dad's favorite line? It's a bit clarty. <laughs> bit clarty. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk for about 10 minutes after eating it like that there, that um anyway so glycine is also another one to consider last couple of things that you might want to look at taurine which is used a lot in terms of taurine again another amino acid and often recommended for firstly for gut function mm-hmm. and helping with various different gut conditions like 
bacterial overgrowth, dysbiosis, but has a, a kind of, again, calming effect and can support those pathways where you're kind of bringing down the stress response. So we will recommend it often to people who train late at night. Uh, you've been taking it after football sessions, haven't you? Because you, you really struggle to sleep after yeah, football I mean, training and finishes at nine at night. Well, no, well, well, to be fair, it finishes a bit after. So it normally finishes about quarter past nine. By the time I get home, it's gone half night. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm obviously dripping with sweat. So I have to have a shower. And, you know, I try having like a, a cooler shower to try and bring body temperature down a little bit. I try and have like a carb-rich meal as soon after training as possible. You know, like I normally make myself a smoothie, to be fair, because I don't want to kind of eat too heavy a meal quite late at night. So I normally do like some berries, some whey, banana. To be fair, um, like anything that will give you an yeah. insulin response is going to help in terms of, well, you know this already, but it's going to shut off glucagon and all the other kind of yeah. other stress hormones and the cortisol so whey is quite good for that isn't it but also weirdly i mean going off track a little bit but whilst we're talking about me <laughs> um, what i've started to do now is is whereas before you know because normally the day after football i need to get up really early you know like about 4 four fifteen in the morning and the first kind of couple of times i got really wound up because i was thinking oh, i should be asleep now i should be in bed now i've got to get up at this time i'm gonna get this much sleep but actually what I found is better is to just either say, right, I'm going to shower, I'm going to have my smoothie, I'm going to brush my teeth, and then I'm just going to chill for a bit. And I either force I, yourself to bed. Yeah, yeah and yeah. get really wound up. So then I'll either read or yeah. I'll watch a bit of like just really easy TV that just yeah. kind of disengages brain, calms me down, and then I go to sleep. Yeah. So, But then at least then it's kind of like I've, I've still got like a, I've got a calming pre-bed routine. Yeah. And Oh, but, but like I say, um, you know, and I will take taurine and... One thing and to be careful of some magnesium as well. Taurine, some people find taurine and magnesium together might be too much. You can get magnesium taurate as well, which is another version of, but some people find it together and makes them groggy the next day. I was going to say, I, I feel like I've gone a bit OTT with it sometimes and it's got me to sleep, yeah. but then it's taken me a bit longer to get going in the morning as well. Morning. Yeah. Do 20 burpees when you wake up instead. Yeah, so that's a nice one to do. Again, brand for well, this, that, that's quite an interesting point you've made actually, because obviously we've listed quite a few different things here. So it'll make sense in a sec. So obviously increasing protein intake you do across the day, right? Yeah. And obviously, like we always recommend, try and get a variety of proteins in your diet, you know, through different sources, you know, poultry, oily fish, lean fish, red meat, dairy. Tofu. And some oh, skin right. and bones. Let's get some skin and bone in there. Anchovies and sardines are a good way of doing that. Mmm, delicious. Sure. Get the anchovies down, yeah. But what, what my point is, is that you can do that kind of across the day. You know, yeah. vitamin D supplementation, you know, as well as sunlight exposure. You know, you know, obviously get out in the sun during the day. Yeah. But you can take a vitamin D sup kind of like whenever. Multivitamin, you know, you, again, you probably take during the day, wouldn't you, with, with your meals? Yeah. It's quite high in B-Vits, though. Would you yeah. recommend taking it of an evening? Again, it's kind of a bit of a... It's a bit contentious, to be honest. Some people find B-Vitamin stimulating, some people don't. I try and say you can have it with your afternoon snack as your last serving of it, because a lot wow. of good ones are split across two or three servings. Okay, but because because obviously the, the others that you were mentioning there with a bit more of a calming effect, like taurine, yeah. 
I'm assuming you wouldn't recommend those to be taken during the day or does it not matter so much if it's like a low dose? Yeah, I was going to say, I think your best bet is to try it. I'll take a a bit of like half a gram of glycine here and there and it doesn't really have an effect on me. And we've talked about this before when we've said what has a bigger effect on us generally is the activity we're doing. Hmm. You know, like if I've got to sit and do like an account spreadsheet or something like that, then it doesn't matter what I'm taking. I could be on, you know, I know a lot of things that can give you energy as well and and they don't if you're doing doing something. Yeah, So I think it really depends on your day. And if you were trying to buffer, say you were having a panic attack. I mean, my first thing would be you should bring your blood sugar levels up. So to eat would actually be quite beneficial because it would generally, if it's an adrenaline-based one, eating is going to spike insulin, which would therefore counter the adrenaline, if that makes sense. So even eating something like a banana you know, would be beneficial at that point in time. And then doing things like deep breathing, that's so powerful in terms of stimulating vagus nerve which is going to shut off the kind of fight or flight so breathe in four seconds out four seconds in some people say go and put your legs up the wall apparently same thing it's just like well you ain't running from a line if your legs are up the wall that's true (laughs) so these things are going to have a more immediate effect if you're feeling anxiety like as in really quick fast anxiety if that makes sense and even like i'm a big fan of you know music and and comedy change your environment like completely quickly change your environment so you know you can pick up the phone and call mm. somebody and you're, you're doing that if you were kind of like oh i'm in a stressful job i'd probably try something like glycine try something like um probably something like glycine to be honest and, and try a little bit of taurine see how you are if it's slumping you then you know it's, it's going to be something you do in the evening to help you sleep passion flower is actually quite a good one in terms of you can get passion flower tea or passion flower tincture again that you can drop under the tongue and passion flower does the same thing it kind of enhances GABA we haven't really talked about adaptogens but adaptogens are your herbs that do a very similar thing so the way that we used to say adaptogens were working was kind of balancing or modulating like all these neurotransmitters and hormones but actually I think from what I've heard and this is more kind of what you know my big my big kind of geek crush Brian Walsh says is is it's probably more working on the immune system because the immune system is having an impact on yeah. brain function as well. So which, which interestingly protein supports. It does. It does. It's, it's all linking together. <laughs> it is. So in terms of adaptogens some people will take ashwagandha then there's Siberian ginseng, Panax ginseng. Panax is kind of like um, if it's really, really serious stuff, you need some stamina. Siberian is, again, kind of can pick you up a little bit. Rhodiola gives you, again, kind of stamina to get through periods of, of stress, gives you more kind of endurance. It's used by athletes. Mushrooms are actually used quite a bit as well as in cordyceps, reishi, they can be used again for kind of helping to... What they're doing is modulating... Not, not, not chestnut mushrooms then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, oh, magic mushrooms. High Fuzz Deterra is a company that I've used. I use them a lot with my dad when he had his cancer because he didn't have chemo. So I had, you know, I was just kind of working on his immune system in the background. And High Fuzz Deterra have some, especially for oncology, for cancer therapy. But then they've got these nicer versions of their products which are just like a smoothie powders which have got like cordyceps in or reishi or they've got you know sprinkles to put on food so you can use medicinal mushrooms is another option if you've kind of if you've got this long period of anxiety where it's like work-related stress or you're moving house or maybe because it's summer holidays and you've got mm. like kids at home whatever it might be I was to say because that's I suppose something to mention like I know we're kind of talking about you know like you know your mental state here anxiety mood etc and I, I mentioned at the beginning that you know it's 
there's different levels of this yeah you know, there's different root causes etc etc but but like you just said then there's also sometimes it's, it can be quite acute to the situation at hand like yeah. you're saying you know yeah, like yeah. be it that you know it's the summer holidays and you're finding everything a bit like ah, because you, you've yeah, got yeah. all the kids there and they're running riot and yeah yeah and whatever or you know you're at work and it's just you know some people with their jobs certain times of year are just much busier than others it's yeah. longer hours it's more stressful it's less sleep it's blah 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 you know so it could be a case of based on your experience and being like ah oh, you know this time of year is, is how I tend to feel this is what tends to happen you can maybe like take some of this on board for those periods it's not like you necessarily have to be do, a victim of it or yeah. vulnerable to that yeah, and, yeah, all, that and, situation. All the, and all these things need to be included all the time no 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 I mean the best thing that you can actually do is pulse and I think they're more effective and I'm sure like if anyone looked at studies pulsing nutrients is more effective because they say taking supplemental antioxidants, for example, means the body might downregulate natural production of antioxidants. Yeah. So again, you're better to pulse it every now and then. Same thing for adaptogens, those kind of things. Like you don't want to be kind of, it's not about suppressing. And, and one thing that just occurred to me actually, we didn't really mention the frequency of meals and going without food that kind of thing. So what I tend to see over the summer is a lot of my clients who have families go off for the day and it's all about sorting out the family and planning the family and planning these amazing meals for kids and then the mums don't eat Hmm. or the parents, should I say, don't eat and they'll fast for long periods of time and that just means that gradually, you know, blood sugars might be dropping and if you haven't got good nutrient status, you might not be great at fueling yourself in that fasted state. So as the blood sugars drop, maybe you can't run some of the processes and therefore we get maybe kind of glucagon, adrenaline, all that kind of stuff. And that's when hangry is the typical term. Yeah. And then, and that can last, you know what I mean? And then yeah. you can eat, but you're so angry, you know, and, and it's it's that agitated mood, that bad mood, or just that kind of, you know, fatigue and things like that. Sometimes you've missed the low-hanging fruit, which is you're not eating enough. You're not eating regularly enough for the activity and stuff that you're doing. And as I said, this is what I see with a lot of parents is the kids all get fed and then they go and have like an ice cream or they go and have a latte. And these kind of things will, you know, kind of quick hit, but then blood sugar levels are going to drop again. So keep an eye on that kind of stuff because that's going to affect your mood so much. And then add in the screaming kids and it's no wonder people flip. It's nothing to do with methylation. It's nothing to do with genetics, nothing to do with glycine. (laughs) You know, it's like those things feed in. So that's what I'm saying about you get the basics in place. But like you said, it might be that you take... A nice adaptogenic formula over the summer. Viridian's got some nice ones, Terranova. But just as another example of this, like I've tried some of this stuff on my mum, you know, in terms of I got her this one called, I think it was Thrivagen, which is like a mixture to try and help it balance her hormones and her mood health. When she was like, oh, I've got no energy. I think it's my thyroid, this, that and the other. And she kept going, this Thrivagen don't work, does it? Like, you know, but I was like, mum, you do also need to do some exercise and eat more veg. Like, it's not not a miracle. It doesn't make you thrive. Last thing I was going to say on the, the supplement side is I quite like phosphatidylserine as well in terms of it's a phospholipids are, again, fundamental for lots of things, cell membrane health, but also lots of the neurotransmitters are wrapped in a phospholipid sac and phosphatidylserine is, again, kind of used a lot in terms of cognitive function. Phospholipids are used all over the body, but certain ones in certain places. And lots of clients have said they feel they can focus more, they can concentrate better. She'll get used to actually taking of it. serene. And that's quite a nice one to take across the day. But again, <clears throat> one thing I would say is when I was training as a nutritional therapist, you, I went into clinics with a fellow student and we had to do each other as a, as a client practitioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always remember the guy that I was working with. He was really nice. And he said, uh, 
I told him my case. I was like, I'm stressed and, you know, I'm not sleeping too well, this, that and the other. And he recommended this formula called Zen. It's not actually around anymore, but, and that was phosphatidylserine along with um, some of the other nutrients we talked about. I think there's some, some other stuff in there, amino acids, no effect whatsoever. Because at the time I was studying for exams. Uh, it can help. It's really helpful for focus, that, but that wasn't my problem. The problem was we were just about to invest, you know, our life savings into a book and I was so nervous that it was, we were, were we going to sell one copy? Yeah. No amount of Zen is going to help that. <laughs> so well, that's it, so it? as much as you know all this stuff <clears throat> and you can pulse it and buffer, you know, there'll be phases. And what's really important is that you don't let it continue for long periods of time. If I continue to do that, that high risk behavior, you know, like mm. putting all my life savings into stuff, it's going to hit my health at some point. Yeah. And it's like we, we always say, you know, you've got to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, like you can use supplements and Keris has obviously just listed um, some here that, you know, that she recommends and they can supplement, you know, your your nutrition, your lifestyle. But, you know, it's not a magic formula. It's not going to work in isolation. You know, you need to kind of get other things in place, lay the foundations, et cetera, et cetera. One more to mention, actually, that, that kind of popped up on my radar, again, thanks to Brian Walsh, was St. John's Wort because it actually came up, he was talking about it in terms of its capacity to detox. So in liver health, it supports all the phases of detoxification from all the different, basically the three or four phases to breaking down a toxin, making it able to be water soluble, whatever, and, and, get, and, and then walked out of the cell and then excreted by the body. And, and St. John's wort is beneficial for all of them. And St. John's wort, you're not allowed to take it with a lot of medications or the contraceptive pill because I think it would, again, maybe possibly detoxify it too quickly mm-hmm. so it doesn't have the desired effect. But it's being used for... I don't know, actually, it must be, I don't know if it's like hundreds of years in terms of for mood health. Mm. So it's just one to kind of consider. However, what I would say is do that under practitioner guidance. Well, I was I know some, say, like, some you people know, say it's a little bit, it can have the opposite effect. But it generally across the board, you know, it's always, if you are on a lot of medications and stuff, oh, yeah, or if, yeah, if you're yeah. on any medication, you definitely work with a nutritional Definitely therapist. work with a nutritional therapist when it comes to anything, you know, adding supplements in, et cetera. Don't just kind of take things willy-nilly and, and whatever, you know, be cautious and, and do it, just do it the right way, you know, so you've got peace of mind, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So nice one, Keris. Thank you. So clever. <laughs> Not really. So beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Well, we, did, we, didn't hit, we didn't hit 45 minutes, but we're under an hour. We're under an hour, so there's, there's, there's a win in there somewhere. We've got to say bye in 20 seconds. Guys, hope you've enjoyed the episode, <laughs> and we will see you over in episode 100. Can't believe we're in the hundreds now, finally. 104. Awesome. See you then. Bye. bye.